Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Joanna. And this is Growing Home Together. Caring for the soul of your family, helping you grow closer to God. And each other. Thank you for joining us today at the Growing Home Together podcast. Today's guest is a friend and one of the greatest cheerleaders of our writing and ministry. Kathy Lipp is a national speaker, a best-selling author, and the podcast host of the Clutter Free Academy. She's here to talk with us about her latest book, which is right on time in this crazy season of life. It's called Ready for Anything, Preparing Your Heart and Home for Any Crisis, Big or Small. Welcome, Kathy, and thanks for joining us today. Oh, Robin, Joanna. Okay, first of all, you could not have given me a better compliment than to say I'm one of the biggest cheerleaders of your ministry because that I feel like that's my most exciting role because there are things I love to talk about, but I love getting other people to listen to the right people and you're the right people for so many. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it's amazing to me how your book, Being Prepared in a Crisis, was released exactly at the same time the country was hit with the COVID pandemic. How did that happen? Yeah, so the timing, I would love to say it was a Kathy thing. It was a forethought thing. It really was a God thing. And uh, I had been writing this book. We lived in the city for a long time and had a couple of instances there where I'd hoped we'd be more prepared than we actually were. I was a wishful preparer Uh and uh, I realized I needed to get a lot more serious about it, not just because of those incidents, um, but also because we were moving to the mountains and you don't get to play with being prepared in the mountains. Like you're either prepared or you're not. And so I knew that I needed to up my preparedness game. But what I also realized were that there were a lot of people who knew they needed to be more prepared, but weren't. And so, yeah, the timing of this was really interesting because I talk about things like stocking up on toilet paper and (laughs) and 95 masks and things like that, that seemed a little, uh, some people would say alarmist. But it turned out it's actually pretty solid advice. Yeah, well, I I think you're right. It it was a God thing because you are so good at breaking down um, and just giving people Mm. practical steps on how to do this. And so um, I know for us personally, uh, with Joanna still in the process of trying to recover from the coronavirus, it seems like a really timely message. Um, We can't remember a time in our family where life has been interrupted quite like this. And um, it's definitely shown us weak spots where we haven't been prepared as we could have been. So was, was there a defining moment um, that, that kind of showed you that your family needed to be more prepared? Yes. So uh, both my husband, Roger, and I were able to work from home quite a bit when we lived in San Jose. And there was one day we were both working from Um, our different offices, and we hear this banging on our front door, and we're like, what in the world? You know, we live in a pretty, you know, uneventful place in San Jose, California, Silicon Valley. And so I run downstairs, and I hear somebody yelling, fire! There's a fire! So we live in townhouses, and two doors down, we... I I yell up at Roger, we've got to go. And so I had my cell phone, Uh, Roger had nothing. He grabbed our dog. We were both in bare feet. 
and we stand out on our front lawn and we see the house just two doors down engulfed in flames. Oh no. It was, it was terrifying. And fortunately the father and the two little boys from the family were out on the front porch. We knew that they are on the front grass. We knew they were okay. Uh, we hadn't even met our next door neighbor who was in between us and the fire. She had just moved in that weekend and we were gone that weekend. So we're standing out there and we're thinking, oh, thank God we got out okay. And then my brain starts pinging like a mom's brain does. And I said, Roger, Jeremy didn't come home, did he? Now, Jeremy was our, our kid who had just started college that day. And I wasn't familiar with his schedule. And Roger said, no, we would have heard him if he had come home. And just as he was saying that, Roger runs back into our townhouse and about 30 seconds later, comes running back out. And I said, oh, thank God. And about 45 seconds later, a very groggy Jeremy oh, came out <laughs> right after him. And Roger would like it noted that he was the guy who ran into a burning building to save his child. As but Roger it, would. <laughs> as Roger would, right? Yes. But it's pretty hard to get around the fact that we grabbed our dog and left our son in a burning building. <laughs> That's not what you want to be known for, right? Yeah, that's totally what Joanna would do. She'd leave me in and make sure the dogs are safe. <laughs> hey, we've got two legs. You know where to draw. You know where to go. Yeah. So it, it was, it was so many things, and you know, so that was the big thing. But little things like neither of us have our had our wallet or driver's license or any form of identification. We didn't have a leash for the dog. Fortunately, a different neighbor went and grabbed us a leash. But it's like, because all of those things were in the house in 40 different places. And so it was just reflecting back on that. It's like, what would, what could we have done to take care of our future self? You know, putting a leash by the front door, putting, um, putting our, our car keys by the front door, those kind of things you know, when you're in a panic, you can't think about those things. We all think that we're going to have these superhero um, instincts, but really the dumbest we're ever going to be is during a crisis. Right, right. right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, we, you can look back and, and joke a little bit on it, but I mean, that was a serious time and, and thank God nobody was hurt, but right. having those little steps in, in place would have, would have been helpful. I know when the, the uh, pandemic Hit and everything started shutting down. Mm-hmm. Joanna was trying to get back from Australia. She was in Australia for ten days. What? Yeah, and I didn't know that. Yeah, I think I got out on with my daughter too. Actually, um, on the second to last flight back into LA, so we were we were oh. feeling a little <laughs> of the pressure. That's for sure. Yeah, I was home with with the two youngest, and you know, for ten days, I, I cook like a dad does, fast food, mm-hmm. and we were doing this, and we went to right. Chicago, we went to Chicago for a couple days. And we're um, coming back on the train, trying to get back on the train. And so our train got back, I think we got home at 1.30 in the morning. And I had to hit the grocery stores because we had no food because I, you know, I was being bachelor dad. And and so going through those, you know, aisles at one in the morning um, with trying to pick out a, you know, maybe a can of beans and some rye bread because there was (sighs) nothing in the store. Um, wow. you know, I, again, it was another reminder of how, um, being prepared is important. Right. So it sounds to me, Rob, like that was kind of your aha moment and Kathy, you had a major aha moment. So <laughs> once you did realize that you needed to be more prepared, 
for the next crisis that came along, what were mm-hmm. some of your very first steps that you took? Yeah. So what I did was I looked at what does the Red Cross say that just a basic human living in the United States needs to be able to do? Mm-hmm. And um, Rob, I love that you said I love to break things down and make them very doable. You know, another book I wrote was called Overwhelmed because that's how I feel with any new circumstance. And I've come to understand if I can break it down into doable steps, then I can be okay. And so what I first started with was water, which seems like such a strange thing. Why would water be such a big deal? But Uh, You can do almost anything as long as you have enough water to get you through and to make some decisions and things like that. And I think we underestimate how much water we use as, you know, people living in a modern society. When When the CDC and Red Cross said you should have a gallon of water per person per day, for two weeks. And then think about your animals on top of that. I'm like a gallon, really? But then you think about the the dishes you're washing, the um, laundry you need to do, depending on the crisis, that water becomes really, really important. So that's, that's where we started. And then um, they say you need to have two weeks worth of food. And I think what a lot of people do, and a lot of people did is go and panic buy everything that they need, you know, thought they would need. Mm-hmm for a couple of weeks. And what we've learned to do is really kind of live out of a pantry. Yes, we love fresh food. We're gardeners. We love that kind of stuff. But also to know, you know what, for a few weeks, canned peaches are just fine. And knowing a couple of skills like, you know, can I bake my own bread? You know, because that bread is not something that you can keep a ton of on hand unless you have just a ton of freezer space. So trying to think through those things and what would we need in order to stay sheltered in place, which is a term most of us had never used until this March. What would we need? And so to not go crazy, you know, to not stuck up on um, 100 cans of Spam, but to say, okay, what could my family have on hand that we would actually eat anyway eventually? And so that became very important. And then money, you know, just making sure that we had a little money tucked aside in case of emergency. So those were our three big things were water, food, and money. Right. And with the grocery shopping that you were describing in the book, uh, my favorite tip about that was to practice. You mentioned having a day a week or whatever, where you just prepare a meal with the staples you have in your pantry. And for me, that made a lot of sense because I think if I had to come up with meal planning on the fly, uh, we'd probably be having graham crackers. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I love that idea I- of putting it into practice before it's even necessary. Right. And, you know, it it's also makes it a little bit more fun. You know, we, we have a, at least a couple of times a month what we call an off-grid day, where we're just trying to do as much as we possibly can without using electricity. What if our electricity was out? And where we live, that's a huge possibility. And so could I make pancakes on the barbecue? Could I, you know, could I do laundry without 
running a washing machine. And we, we dry most of our clothes without a dryer anyway, uh, you know, especially when it's 100 degrees out. Uh, the thought of turning on a dryer just makes me absolutely nauseous. But it's to, to realize that, and this is really what I wanted to, people to grab from the book, is that we are smarter than we know, we're more resilient than we know, and we're more resourceful than we know. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten into habits that have just made you know, we all want to make life easier. I get it. You know, that's why God invented a microwave. But we also need to know, hey, we can do it without. I'm I'm of the age where I remember before microwaves, which doesn't even seem possible anymore. Right. But, you know, but we can do these things. And we, I think we've all learned over the past few months that we actually are smarter than we know. Yeah. And that's what I I love about the book as I'm going through it. You know, you get, you might be a little overwhelmed thinking, how can I be prepared for everything? But when you, when you break it down, you also remind us that a lot of these things we probably have, um, at least we're, we've started and we don't even maybe know it, but we've, we've got some of the things and it's just a matter of kind of pulling those pieces together too. It's really, okay, so you guys know my other passion is decluttering. My dad was a hoarder and all of that kind of stuff. And so, so much of this stuff we already have, we just can't find it. (laughs) And so it's it's finding that uh, manual can opener. You know, if you have an electric one, you know, you need to make sure you have that manual one. You probably have it. And if you are a family who likes to camp, you probably already have a lot of this stuff together. But it's just a matter of saying, okay, let me check my first aid kit. Those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle band-aids are those from are those from the revival or are those from when i was a kid you know (laughs) these are important things to know and so to figure that out and to realize yes you probably already have i would guess 75 percent of this stuff yeah that's great yep so for families like ours that want to be prepared for a crisis you talk Mm -hmm. about the three two three so what is the three two three so it's pretty simple it's you need to be prepared for three, living outside of your house for three days. If there was a fire, if there was an earthquake, there was a tornado, um, to have a bag packed for each person that can, you, you can be on the road, you can be where you need to be for three days. Now we're very fortunate. My mom lives just an hour away from us and whatever crisis hits her is probably not going to hit us and vice versa. But we've had to, um, you know, it's pretty easy for us. It's just two adults living in our house, but we also had to have a bag packed for our dog, you know, with a certain amount of food and things like that. The cat and a portable cat litter box, which I had never thought of before all this. And now we're the geniuses who in a pandemic decided to start raising chickens. (laughs) So we, we have a bag of chicken feed at my mom's house because, you know, who knows what, you know, store situations are going to be, that kind of thing. And we have a dog crate for the four chickens if we need to evacuate. So thinking through, if I needed to be out of my house for three days, what's the bare necessity I would need? You know, a change of clothes. Uh, Let's just be honest, a couple chains of underwear. I can do anything if I'm wearing clean underwear. (laughs) Um, Food, a manual can opener, water, those things. So that's the first three. 
the, the two is two weeks. So if you needed to shelter in place in your house for two weeks and not leave, so would you have the food and, and say that utilities were cut off? I mean, we, we used to think that these were doomsday scenarios, and now we've lived through something very similar to this. And right. here's the thing that I now know. Uh, a crisis is very rude because it shows up unexpected and it always brings a friend. And so for many of us, it wasn't just the pandemic. It was the pandemic and the pandemic and coming from home from Australia, the pandemic. And, and this isn't really a crisis, but our house changed hands the same day shelter in place went into place. Oh, mercy. And so I know, right? So we're trying to socially distance even before we know what that really means Mm -hmm. as we're moving out of our house. And, uh, you know, I left the new owners so much toilet paper. Had I known, I would have raised the price of the house. It was... (laughs) It was just crazy. And so there's always there's always an and. You know, for a lot of people, the and was, and now I don't have an income. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about what can I do for two weeks, it's not just for survival. It's to say, for two weeks, I don't have to panic and I have time to think. So that becomes really, really important. So you have your three, three days if you have to be on the road, two, two weeks shelter in place, and then three months of emergency funds. Now that doesn't mean three months of salary because that's quite a bit, right. but three months of emergency funds, like if, if I had to survive what, and I didn't have an income or I, something happened, do I have three months of emergency funds? And so people are like, well, that's overwhelming. I know. So that's why I want you to start with a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And then Eventually, I want you to get to $500 because nobody has ever said, you know what? I had too much money for this crisis. I I should not have saved that much. Right. You will always find a place for it. Yeah, that got really real for our two young adult daughters because both of them ended up unemployed in this (gasps) crazy season. And um, I'm... I'm kind of glad now because they're fine. They're totally fine. Yes. They landed on their feet. But excellent. But they're learning that lesson of having that cushion in the bank right now. Right. And I see now as they look at their savings how that became really precious all of a sudden. And they're a lot more yeah. mindful. And I'm like, gosh, I wish that I had learned that when I was 19 or 22. That would have been awesome. Yeah. And it's such a simple way to start. I mean, I know a lot of people are probably like us. We don't keep cash on us very often anymore. You know, you've right. got the debit cards and things like that. And so um, to think, oh yeah, I should probably have some money at home ready um, it, it, just in case. Um, it's, it's simple things to start the process. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. It, you know, people are very worried about becoming a cashless society. I don't worry so much about that. I worry about the grid is down and I can't pay for gas. And I've actually been in that situation when we had a major blackout in Northern California. And so I've learned it's important to have that debit card and that cash because we, we don't live in a society where everything is cash, but we also don't live in a society where everything is electronic. You need to, you need to be prepared for both. And I'm glad your daughters are okay. That it's, it really is. Our kids had to grow up so so much faster than uh, many of us had to because of this crisis. And they're, 
there are definitely some challenges in that, but there's also some great advantages. And I love that they they learned that lesson while they still had um, a support system in place. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, and I think um, the great thing about your book being available now is there might be some more mindfulness um, than I was in my kids because they've gone through yeah. something like this that, yes, I, I, we can no longer say that there isn't something that's going to come along that can affect all of us, right? We all have, have that sure. sense of something that couldn't happen can actually happen. So um, yeah. it's good for our kids. This would be a good gift for our kids yeah, to put sure. under the Christmas tree. Right. Yeah, so- and it's so interesting because when I wrote this book, the word pandemic is nowhere in it. It's just, you know, right. it never occurred to me, but it's so funny that so many of the things that I was saying, you know, we need to be prepared for. And let's be clear. When I say I was saying it's the red cross was saying, I was just <laughs> trying to do it in more manageable ways, uh, translated to the pandemic. So it's being, it's, you can't be prepared for every scenario, but you can live with a level of preparedness in your life that will help in every scenario. Yeah, for sure. So your book has so many great suggestions for meal planning, uh, water prep, getting our finances in order. Uh, what do we do uh, with when those crises hit on a, the emotional and spiritual level? You know, as mm. parents and as couples, how can we get our families ready to deal with the hard times? Yeah. So I think that having the conversation in advance. And you're like, well, okay, you know, Kathy, it's not in advance. It's hitting right now. But we look at Iowa, you know, they're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, then they have a natural disaster that basically, you know, in many ways flattens some communities. It's having the conversations ahead of time to say, guys, let's understand there are going to be bad things that come, but here's the thing. We have each other. We've got this plan into place. We're going to teach each other how to do some of these things. I really think there is something to be said about teaching our children and each other that we're more capable than we think. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I've had to learn to do a lot of things this year that I never thought I'd have to do living in the mountains. You know, I've learned to tote my own water. I've learned to drive a four-wheeler. I've learned to use a log splitter. And you know what it's done? Some people want to shelter their kids from that because they don't want, um, you know, they don't want to teach them first aid because it's going to scare them to think about all the possibilities. Actually, what you're doing is empowering them. Right. And to say, you know what, you are more able to take care of yourself than you probably know. And so here are some things we need to know and understand. And, you know, one of the things I've had to learn up here on the mountain, and it's, it's so funny, living on the mountain is a great parallel for living in a pandemic because you don't have the resources. You can't run to the store. You can't run to these things. I've had to figure out with our animals when is it a crisis where I need to drive them 120 miles into town to, to be seen? Or is there something I can do to take care of them myself? And so this is where you go to books and you look things up. And it's so interesting to be able to say, okay, mentally, I'm learning to be prepared to take care of the people and the animals I love. And we can do that as well. I think spiritually also, there is such a huge component because I don't know about you guys, but I have been very very frustrated during this pandemic where people say, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to go live my life. 
and I, I, I really think that people, some people are using that word fear and um, as, as if it's a bad word. Um, I think fear is a very normal reaction. It's what you do with the fear. So does my fear turn into anxiety because I sit here and I wring my hands because there's nothing I can do? Or does my fear turn into wisdom and I take wise steps to protect and prepare my family and each other? And God spends so much time in his word talking about wisdom. And how we can be wise and how, what a gift that is. And so I can choose which way to go. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I have spent my fair share of time in anxiety. But what that does, it, it poisons the people around me. And so, but when I'm working in wisdom, it's like, okay, there are actually things we can do to use what God has given us. And I love that old saying, you know, trust God and tie up your horse. Yeah. Uh, you know, be wise with the mind and the resources that God has given you. It's a spiritual gift. It really is. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it, it's balance. Um, and we yes. we're, we're not trying to uh, take control of our lives, but God is very clear that we also uh, should take steps, like you said, to be good stewards. And, and kind of on that stewardship piece, another great uh, thing that you talk about in the book is your stockpile isn't just for you. And that's another thing that we can teach our kids, another opportunity. Um, Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So when we lived in the city, our stockpile was enough for us, our next door neighbor, who's about 20 years older than um, we are, and some of our adult kids who didn't have storage space. But it was also for neighbors. You know, we had we had so many friends who went through a job loss or something like that. And we were able to just open it up and say, hey, you can shop here. Take what you need. And the the other beautiful thing is we bought this mountain house two years ago today. And we were... Um, we were using it as an Airbnb. Well, Airbnb also has another wonderful program called Open Homes. And we live very close to where the car fire and the campfire happened in 2018, where, you know, it devastated the city of paradise was Mm -hmm. 95% gone. Mm -hmm. Well, we were able to open our home and just say, guys, we have all the food you need. We have all the water you need. You know, we have a washing machine with the, with the detergent you need. So people were able to apply to come into our house and they could just live there for days while they were trying to figure out the rest of their lives and get away from the smoke and figure out what they're going to do about their houses. So your stock, I think when you think about prepper is, you know, a word that I've been called, you think about your stockpile and guarding it with a gun. Right. And I think of myself as being prepared to help my neighbor. Yeah. And that's that's the whole shift. It's it's saying I'm not going to live in a scarcity anxiety mindset. I'm going to live in a God has provided for every one of my needs so much that I'm able to share with those who are in crisis right now. And someday I'm going to be in crisis and people will share with me. And I think that that is such a New Testament model of how we want to live. For sure. Right. I mean, I think we all know that um, hard times and crises are the things that get us on our knees and allow us to experience God for real. And God meets us in those so faithfully. And so I love that even in the worst of times, 
um, that's when God shows up. And when we love people like that, in the way that you're describing how we have prepared, not just for our own needs, but for the needs of others, man, what a phenomenal opportunity to just show that Jesus is right here and his love is a real and living thing. I just love well, that. And we were able to say, hey, guys, we're praying for you. We have people who are praying for you. And here was the beautiful thing that just, I mean, touched me so much was that at the at the end of all of that, you know, I wanted to get our house even more ready for when we have people. And so many of my friends sent money and books and children's toys. Mm-hmm. So that the next time we have people come to the house, we, we are prepared for them. So it's, there are so many ways to say, okay, when I'm prepared, I'm able to share with others. And you're so right. It is such an opportunity. It gives you a chance to talk about God's love it, where in other circumstances you wouldn't be allowed. Right. And you're not just focused on your own uh, trying right. to survive, you you can reach outside of yourself. And, and it's another great lesson, as you said, to kind of take that fear and replace it that we yeah. can give our kids. They can see us sharing and giving and not not panicking in that. And I know sometimes for us, what we might call as trust is us kind of doing that avoidance of the fear. I know Joanna right. and I for years put off doing a will um, because we didn't know what to do right. on, on the guardianship with our kids piece. Yes, And we, we knew full well behind that, that if anything happened to us, not having a plan would be much worse for our kids than having a plan. But that right. fear of, of, and when whatever we, it would come up, well, can we, we didn't live by family. So we, we just would kind of, well, what do we do? We moved around a lot when the kids were younger. And so we just were always in that, like, what do we do? And so we didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't want to be in that kind of situation. So yeah, and you know, to understand that's a tr- real anxiety, you know, to right. have to make that decision. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. But also understanding, you know, it's so interesting. Once the decision has been made, there's such an opportunity for peace there. But, you know, it's 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 pulling the trigger. And that's the hard part for so many of us. And it was I didn't want to prepare for a long time because it felt like it was inviting trouble. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a twisted way of thinking, but it's, it does produce anxiety. But then once you've done it and you say, okay, here's the water, we're, we're fine. You you stop waking up in the middle of the night thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I think of preparing for a crisis, it can, it can get overwhelming. And so if anyone listening feels that way, what would you, what would you tell them? I would say start with something simple. So the simplest thing to do, get enough water, you know, and it feels like, okay, so water is cheap. It's easy to get. Uh, I would recommend getting some seven gallon storage containers um, that you can stack up in your garage. Get a few of those, get a few um, pallets of Costco water. And here's the thing. Your most important check mark is done. You know, just figure out how many people live in your house. You want to do um, 14 gallons per person. That's two weeks worth of water per person. And then if you've got some animals, we have little tiny animals. They don't take much water. So we do a gallon for all of them. And yet once you have, for us, it's that, you know, that um, 28, I'm trying to remember how much it is. You know, it's about 40 gallons for us. Then you're like, 
big check mark. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to do a little bit of the meal planning, another big check mark. And you start to put, you know, a little bit of money away in a sock drawer or in a fire, you know, we have a fireproof safe that we've got some, a little bit of money in. And, you know, the, you start to get these little check marks and you're saying, okay, this may not help us if our house burns down, but if the, if the dishwasher crashes and burns, we are halfway to saving for a new dishwasher. The, you know, those are the things that are going to make you feel empowered and keep you from being overwhelmed. For sure. And I would encourage people, uh, it wasn't a lead-in question, but, you know, to get your book because it really does uh, walk people through those steps so it, it isn't overwhelming. I, and I want to say the book isn't scary. It's not there oh. to scare you into doing the thing, which you guys have really pointed out. But to say, you know what, we don't. We, we all know there's going to be a crisis. We just don't know when or what. And so here's a baseline that's going to help everybody. And so, yeah, it, there's a lot of practical stuff in there and there's a lot of encouraging stuff in there too. For sure. Yeah, there is. I love the way you communicate. Like you mentioned that you're a huge resource for people to learn about decluttering their home. You're the only one I know who can make organizing my house sound fun. (laughs) Oh, you're so great. Thank you for saying that. You know what? Because it it leads to such freedom. That's why I'm such a hype girl about it. Right. And like talking about preparedness, it can make us feel afraid or guilty, but not with you because the way you communicate it, it's accessible. It's it's hope-giving. So yeah, yeah, I really hope everyone listening today just gets their hands on this. It's going to be a game changer for so many families. Uh, All I want is for people to be a little more prepared today than they were yesterday. That's it. You know, if you are half of 1% more prepared today than you were yesterday, you're, you're going in the right direction. That's what I want for people. It's great. Well, Kathy, we cannot thank you enough for joining us today. And you've been a huge encouragement to trust God and just start to prepare for tomorrow. And for everybody who wants to learn more, you can connect with Kathy at kathylip.com. Thank you for joining us today at the Growing Home Together podcast, where we're caring for the soul of your family and growing home together with you. 